0: Good to be with you once again as we begin these three sacred days, the Triduum of Easter, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and the Great Vigil of Easter on Saturday. Thank you, Nathan, for the privilege of the pulpit. And it's wonderful to be with you in rainy Portland, a real change from Vancouver, British Columbia, where I come from. He said, ironically. Now, every 30 years or so, Passover, Ramadan, and Easter coincide in the same week. Only happens about once every 30 years, and guess what? This is one of those years. So it is a holy week indeed for these three living faiths that share many scriptures and some traditions. And the coincidence of these three observances, Holy Week, Ramadan, and Passover, brought to mind an occasion, oh, it's a couple decades ago, when I was hanging out with Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Let me tell you the story. The Archbishop was in Vancouver, British Columbia, with other Nobel laureates, Shirin Abadi, the lawyer, human rights advocate, one of the first female judges in Iran, and Desmond's great friend, His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. There are a number of events that were planned through the time that they were in Vancouver, including conferring honorary doctorates on these three Nobel laureates at two of the universities in Vancouver. Each of the laureates was assigned a local steward to accompany them throughout the visit. I got a phone call one day, and they said, would you mind hanging around with Archbishop Desmond Tutu for four days while he's here? All you have to do is accompany him everywhere he goes and be sure he's fine. I I said yes, um, of course. (laughs) And there are many, many wonderful stories from that time, but one stands out tonight. We were on our way, uh, he and I, and it was kind of interesting. He, uh, we, were, we had a driver, uh, a police officer, and a nice car, and uh, the archbishop refused to sit in the back seat. Uh, he did not want to be seen as being chauffeured around, so he sat in the front seat. So I had this somewhat weird experience of being driven around by one of Vancouver's finest and the archbishop. Um, anyway, we were on our way to the Pacific Coliseum, Uh, a large hockey arena where the Vancouver Canucks once played. And as we drew near, I could see that there was a protest happening outside the building. It was a group of fundamentalist Christians who were protesting the appearance of Archbishop Tutu with the Dalai Lama. They believed that it was inappropriate for a Christian to be seen at a spiritual event with a Buddhist. I was kind of embarrassed that the archbishop had to see this so I began to sort of give him a little context of religious life in the lower mainland of British Columbia and uh, he quickly interrupted me and said, don't worry father I've seen it before. (laughs) What they don't understand is that God is not a Christian. We proceeded into that event. The stadium was filled, 20,000 people. These two guys, the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu, walked up a rickety back stairway, and as they were getting up to the stage, Desmond just easily put his hand out, and the Dalai Lama took it, and they walked up the stairs together, and you just heard the crowd erupt Uh, Seeing these two people it was a beautiful event it all went without incident but his comment stayed with me a Few days after his visit. I was speaking by phone with my mother. She lived in Ontario at that time She was then in her mid 80s and a faithful church Member her whole life. She was of course curious about my time with the Archbishop So I told her the story When I repeated the line, God is not a Christian, there was a pause. And then she said, would you please say that again? (laughs) So I did. And she thought about it. And in conversation a couple days later with one of her friends around the same age, similarly devout Christian, uh, my mother said, Peter told me that Archbishop Tutu said, God is not a Christian, and her friend laughed and said, well, of course he's a Christian. (laughs) Didn't get into the gender thing at that point. But for my mom and me, something shifted in our minds and our understandings with Desmond's comment. I never thought about Christian faith exactly the same way again. Indeed, I doubt that it was... Jesus of Nazareth's intention to be the founder of a religious faith. He lived and died a Jew. He would have been very familiar with the Passover account we heard as tonight's first reading. Like all observant Jews then and now, the account of the Passover, when they left their lives of slavery in Egypt, would have affirmed that God is in the business of liberation. God is in the business of freeing oppressed people. Over the centuries, you know, we've made Jesus so churchy. I remember a liturgy on a Monday Thursday evening where the preacher said something like this. On this night, he said somewhat piously, when Jesus ordained the apostles and presided at his first celebration of the Eucharist, and I thought, oh God, no, give me a break. That, that's, that's not what happened, I don't think. I mean, even tonight's first hymn, which I love, I love the tune by Gibbons, but it's it's really problematic. Thou who at thy first Eucharist didst pray that all thy church might be forever one. Well, it wasn't a Eucharist, I don't think. and I'm not sure he was praying for the church in any way that we understand the church because it didn't exist then. I can't imagine that he was praying for Christian unity amongst the denominations. The unity that he sought was a deeper unity, the unity of the whole human family, A unity that went beyond religion. A unity that we know in loving service. Your wonderful presiding bishop, Michael Curry, gets it right, I think, when he affirms that Jesus was not about founding a religious institution. Rather, he was about starting a movement. The Jesus movement, as Michael calls it. A movement that's about liberation and freedom. A movement that's about healing and reconciliation. In short, a movement about the way of love. Tonight of all nights, this is so very clear. The gospel reading ends with these words from Jesus. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. It's from this text that today gets its name mandi, short for mandatum, commandment. Love one another. Not just love the Christians, not just love the Episcopalians. Love one another and serve one another. This is what the foot washing is all about. By washing his disciples' feet Jesus inverted the power dynamics. Never was it the teacher who would wash his students' feet. But John's Gospel tells us that on this night, he stooped down and humbly washed the feet of his followers, including Judas. Don't forget, he was there. Jesus washed his feet, too. And he instructed them to do the same for each other. As our presider will remind us in just a few moments, Jesus taught that strength and growth in the life of the kingdom of God comes not by power, authority, or even by miracle, but by such lowly service. The words of the ancient hymn, Ubi Caritas, come to mind. Where charity and love are, there God is. God is there where there is love. God is there where there is service, where there is charity, not where there are puffed-up claims of religious certainty or where division is stoked between one expression of religion and another. No, where people are served, where wounds are bound up, Where hurts are healed, where there is love, there is God. The hymn from Ghana that will be sung through the foot washing gets this pitch perfect. The second verse is really clear. Neighbors are rich and poor. Neighbors are black and white. Neighbors are nearby and far away. If I could write a new verse, I'd write, Neighbors are Muslims and Jews. Neighbors are Buddhists and Jains. Neighbors are those who do not believe. A new commandment. Love one another, not just the Christian ones, not just those with whom you agree and share your religious views. All are our neighbors from every language, religion, race, and culture. Over my 25 years as dean of the cathedral in Vancouver, this foot washing part of the liturgy grew in popularity. In the first few years, only a brave few folks would venture forward. I wouldn't say we had to bribe people, but We had to put some undue pressure on some kind folks to have their foot washed, their feet washed, to wash somebody else's feet. But over the years, more and more people came forward, finding this simple but intimate action as a way to express solidarity with each other, solidarity in our humanity. It was a symbol of the way that we'd like to be in community. But it took a long time. It took longer and longer every year. The choir sort of sang the whole music library and still would run out of stuff. And we had to omit other parts of the liturgy to keep the liturgy not to go on all night. Particularly, we omitted the prayers of the people. Now, this one year, I remember I was the presider at the liturgy, the first person to wash somebody else's feet and the final person to get my feet washed. And having, when I had my feet washed this particular evening that I'm thinking about, the liturgy had already gone on quite a long time. I thought, I don't really have time to put on my shoes and socks, so I'll just go barefoot to the next thing, which was the peace. So I walked barefoot in front of the altar, said, the peace of the Lord be always with you. And in that moment, I remembered the story of Moses at the burning bush, told to take off his shoes because he was on holy ground. Dear people of God, we stand on holy ground this evening as we reverently remember the last earthly night of Jesus, his prayer that we all may be one, and his commandment to love one another. We stand on holy ground tonight as we imitate him in this act of loving service. And then, after communion, we watch as he's left alone, betrayed, forsaken, In his humanity, we see the God who is beyond religion inviting us to be in solidarity with the suffering ones of the world. And let us do that as we have opportunity hand in hand with our siblings in Islam and Judaism. For this week is holy not just to us, ubi caritas et amor deus ibi est, where charity and love are, their God is."